Today on Know the Truth, another practical message from Philip DeCourcy based on the Proverbs. On the other side of man's confession, he will find God's compassion. If we do not seek God's redemption and we seek to cover our sins, we will not prosper. We will not know God and we will not know that which he wants to give us. But if we will reveal our sin, confess it, forsake it, I'll tell you what the Bible says here, we can find mercy. time to time we all do things we're not proud of, but when we make a mistake, our first reaction is often to cover it up. Welcome to Know the Truth. Today, Philip DeCourcy reminds us that while no one's perfect, a bit of honesty goes a long way. It's just one discovery we're making in our study of Proverbs. You'll find resources related to this subject when you go to ktt.org. But now, let's join Pastor Philip as he brings a message about the importance of confession. It's called, Let's Be Honest. The wisdom of the book of Proverbs would leave us healthy, wealthy, and wise if we would but lay hold of its wisdom. And Lady Wisdom has so many riches in her hand to give to those that seek her. And here is a verse on prosperity. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes him will have mercy. The Hebrew word for prosper here in our text means to thrive, to be well, to press through to success. And that right relationship with God cannot be had until our sins are uncovered and confessed. And here we have a recipe for godly prosperity. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. There are two things we want to see here. We want to see the burden of concealed sin, and we want to see the blessing of revealed sin. The first portion of the verse then makes it clear that sin, unconfessed and uncovered, diverts you and I from the path of prosperity. And I want to illustrate that. I think the best way for me to show you this principle is to illustrate it from the life of Solomon's father. David's a prime example of this. And we're going to see how David sought to cover up his sin. Do you remember that uh, he sinned by adultery when he slept with Bathsheba? She fell pregnant. Then he tried to cover up that sin by having uh, her husband come home and sleep with his wife. But Uzziah was such a um, loyal servant of David, he lay at the king's palace, so much so that David had to actually send him back to the battlefield with the instructions, put him up at the front line. And uh, Uriah died, and so David was an adulterer and someone who was party to homicide. He tried to cover his sin up. And that's the game that David played until Nathan called him to the mat. Let's go to Psalm 51 for this. David's living on the wrong side of God's blessing. 
He's forfeiting the smile of God. He knows he's in trouble, but he hasn't got the humility or the contrition to go before God and confess his sin and throw himself upon the merciful nature and loving disposition of God. No, he tries to cover it up first by ignoring it. Secondly, by pointing out the sins of others. And third, by making a show of religion. This is amazing. He tries to cover it up through sacrifice because he admits here. Look at verse 16. For do you not desire sacrifice or else I would give it? Do you not delight in burnt offerings? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Implication, I brought you a sacrifice and burnt offering. You despised it, God. It didn't rid my conscience of its guilt. It didn't cleanse my heart of its sin. It didn't uh, make the books right in heaven concerning my misdemeanors and mistakes and misdeeds. No, I sacrificed many times in this past year, but the one thing I didn't give you was the thing you sought, a broken and contrite heart. I didn't come seeking your forgiveness. He had given God his hands in service, but he had not given God his heart in brokenness. He had a religion, but he didn't have a relationship with God. Folks, it's amazing how many people are in church to cover up their sins. You'd be surprised to realize how many people think that through church activity and good deeds that they can compensate for their wrongdoing. That somehow they can balance the scales through some kind of baptized community service where they don't worship God with sincerity and heart. They worship God as hypocrites, silent about their sin, righteous in moral crusades, busy, about charitable and Christian work. But it's all a facade. It's all a mask. It's trying to buy God off with a box of religious chocolates. And it can't be done. You know the story in 1 Samuel 15 about Saul and the Amalekites and God had told them to go and, and, and obliterate the Amalekite culture to keep nothing back. But they disobeyed. They kept the best sheep. They kept the best oxen. They knew they had done wrong. No doubt their conscience were speaking to them. But you know how they thought that they could assuage their conscience, how they could fend off God's anger? By taking the very sheep and oxen that they had kept in disobedience to God's word and offering it back to God. And Samuel comes to Saul and says, what's the bleeding of the sheep? And Saul says, well, you know, we thought better than God. We thought, you know what, I know that God said not to do it, but we thought we could do it. And we thought that God would be happy with us doing it if we give him the best of the flock. And Samuel says, God won't be pleased in your burnt offerings. It is obedience that he wants. But here they were trying to cover up their mistakes and misdeeds by religious fervency. And yet people continue to do it today. They try to whitewash their sin through religious ritual and routine yet they remain unbroken, unhumbled, and their sin remains unconfessed. When I was growing up as a boy in Belfast, we visited my mum's mother who lived in a part of the city that dated back to the turn of the 20th century. These were older homes that had been built in the heyday of Belfast's Industrial Revolution. They were brick homes with a brick backyard that was walled in they were not much to look at because they had been 
kind of suited by the grime of the chimney pots that dotted those districts of Belfast. Plus, they were at the heart of Belfast industry, and so the soot and the smog that would come from the factories that were near them covered these homes and their walls with dirty grime. And one of the ways in which the people got to feel that there was a little color in their life was that they would whitewash their walls. They would just take a cheap, white emulsion paint, and they would dab it over their walls. But if you had taken your fingernail and scraped it along those walls, you'd have got more dirt than paint. It was a whitewashing. It wasn't a washing white. It seems to me that David is warning us that God has a remedy for our sin that will wash us white. But if we don't seek it in humility and in complete trust, giving up any hope on ourselves or anything that we can do, you and I are in danger of whitewashing our sin to the satisfaction of ourselves and others, but to the dissatisfaction of God. Remember how Jesus had it in for the religious leaders of his day? His his scorn and his scathing comments were directed to the religious people of the culture, not the irreligious. They knew they were sinners. They made no bones about that. They didn't try to hide that. Prostitutes painted their faces. They stood at the street corner. But the Pharisees, they whitewashed the wickedness of their hearts and religious actions. Jesus in Matthew 23 tells us that they were like whited sepulchers. They were like the graves outside the city of Jerusalem on the Kidron Valley, on the slopes towards the Mount of Olives. They were white on the outside, but on the inside full of dead man's bones. Proverbs 28 verse 13 tells us, he who covers his sins will not prosper. That's the burden of concealed sin. But what about the blessing of revealed sin? There's a message of hope on the second half of this verse. If we do not seek God's remedy and God's redemption, and we seek to cover our sins, we will not prosper. We will not know God, and we will not know that which he wants to give us. But if we will reveal our sin, confess it, forsake it, I tell you what the Bible says here, we can find mercy. On the other side of man's confession, he will find God's compassion. This verse wants to remind us, what man covers, God will uncover. What man uncovers, God will cover. That's beautiful the blessing of revealed sin. And so for a few moments, I want to look at this text and go back to David. And I want us to look at the three hinges quickly that open the gate to the road to blessing and the path to prosperity. This is a text that wants to put us on the path to prosperity. And it begins by number one, acknowledging our sin. Proverbs 28 verse 13, whoever, however, confesses and forsakes them, that is the sin they have tried to cover, will of mercy. To confess is to acknowledge, to recognize. Blessing begins with a relationship with God, and a relationship with God begins with acknowledging that we are out of a relationship with God through our sin. We've got to agree with God about our sin. We've got to agree with God about the remedy for our sin. It's not in silence. It's not in sanctimony. It's not in sacrifice. It's in his mercy. Listen to David in Psalm 32 and verse 5. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you forgive the iniquity of my sin. David is a walking, talking example of what this verse is saying. For a time he tried to cover his sin. It got him nowhere. Then there came a point 
In some sense, it was a forced confession, but then it became a real confession. When David came broken and contrite before God, he offered the sacrifice of a broken, contrite heart. God accepted it. David acknowledged his sin, and the Bible says he had his iniquity removed. The path to prosperity of body and soul, this life and the next, is a path that begins at the turnstile of repentance where you begin to acknowledge that you have fallen short of God's glory, that you have offended His holiness, that you bear the just punishment of His justice, and you confess that sin. And yet that doesn't come easily to us. When we do something noble and kind, we're more than happy to accept the credit. When we do something wrong, we're stubborn of heart to admit the wrong. That's why these wise men have looked at life for so long are saying to this emerging generation in Israel, look, let me tell you, fellows, if you're going to cover your sin, you're not going to prosper. But if you'll confess it, forsake it, God will keep covenant in terms of mercy. But we must acknowledge our sin if we're to have God's blessing. And we must abandon our sin This is the second step, the second hinge on the gate to the path to prosperity. The acknowledgement of sin, the abandonment of sin. Look at the verse again. Whoever confesses, agrees with God about the sin itself and its offense and its penalty and the remedy and forsakes the sin will have mercy. We must not only confess the fact that we are sinners, we must confess to God the desire to turn from that sin, to no longer live in disobedience, God won't take that sin from us if he knows that we're wanting to hold on to it. God extends his hand of mercy to those who are willing to let go of their sin. That's why Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, let the unrighteous man forsake his wicked way and the Lord will have mercy on him. Sin cannot be covered unless it's confessed and repented of. In confession, we get serious about our sin, and in forsaking it, we prove how serious we are. We're going to turn from those things that indeed caused Jesus to die on the cross for us. We're going to turn by God's grace, by his help, from those things that have offended his holiness, that have shook the very pillars of heaven itself. The repentant soul not only sorrows over the wrong done, but expresses how deep that desire is and never wishing to do it again. Folks, God will never arrive on the doorstep of our life with prosperity and blessing until we have waved goodbye to the sin that's keeping that blessing back. If I was to put this in New Testament language, it would be repentance and faith. That's what we're being asked here. We've got to repent of our sin, turn from it, be done with it. Jesus said in Mark 1 verse 15 to his disciples to go and preach The gospel, which is to repent and believe. In Acts 20, verse 21, we read that we have to have repentance towards God and faith toward the Lord Jesus. It's interesting that there's a directional term used there. Repentance towards God, faith towards the Lord Jesus. You see, by our sin, we are turned the wrong way around. We have our back to God. We're away from his blessing And if we're to know his blessing and to see his face and to enjoy his smile, we've got to turn around and turn from those things that cause God to frown upon our life. We've got to turn from them, let go of them, ask God to forgive them as we confess them. And it's only then that we'll find mercy. 
There is no gospel without repentance. There is no salvation without confession of sin. A Sunday school teacher asked her class what the word repentance meant, and the little boy put his hand up and said, it means to be sorry for your sin. But a little girl put her hand up and said, teacher, teacher, it really means being sorry enough to quit your sin. The little girl was right. You can be sorry for your sin without quitting it. Adrian Rogers said that confessions that are born in the storm die in the calm. An example of that would be Pharaoh. He was sorry for what he had done to the people of Israel because he was sorry for the consequences that had been brought on him in the plagues. There was a kind of repentance. There was a kind of confession. And he said, let the people of God go. But once the plagues were gone and the storm passed, in the calm, the repentance died. There was no true repentance. There was no true forsaking of the sin. And he pursued the people of God to his own destruction. The book of Proverbs warns us there must not only be an acknowledging of that sin, but there must be an abandoning of that sin, which brings us to the last thought, the annulment of the sin. The acknowledgement, the abandonment, the annulment. In Proverbs 28, verse 13, we read, but whoever confesses and forsakes them, that is the sins they have previously tried to cover, will have mercy. Isn't that beautiful? There's a promise, will have mercy. Remember what we said? The only thing standing in the way of God's blessing is you and I. God wants to show mercy. God wants to display grace. God wants to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. God wants to give us a peace that passes all understanding, a joy that's unspeakable, full of glory. He's the father in the story of the prodigal. He wants to give us a ring and a coat and throw a party. God is that good. He wants us to be on the path to prosperity, but sin is getting in the way. It must be repented of and forsaken, and if it is, we'll find mercy. And it seems to me that the, this verse holds out this idea that when you and I come to God in brokenness and sorrow over our sin, God meets us there. As we abandon and acknowledge our sin, God meets us there in mercy. And the emotion of sorrow soon turns to joy. We've seen it in our gospel services. We've known it in our own life. Some of us have walked to the front of this building itself. Some of us met God in a back room and we wept our way to the cross. And as soon as we got there, God threw his arms around us and a blanket covered our sins in the blood of Jesus Christ. And at that moment, the tears stopped and the joy came. And we praised God that he is so merciful that if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he puts us on a path to prosperity. Turn with me in closing to Acts 3.19 because this is the message not only of the Old Testament but the New Testament. The book of Proverbs in all its wisdom is saying that God wants to put us on a path to prosperity. It comes through confession of sin. It comes through trust in the mercy of God alone. It comes through laying hold of God in the belief that in an act of sheer grace, He will blot out our sins. In the New Testament now, wisdom has become a person. Remember in the book of Proverbs, wisdom was personified as a lady who's got riches in her hand, inviting us to lay hold of all that she's got to say to us. Now, Jesus Christ, God's Son, has come. And according to the book of Galatians, all the wisdom of God was treasured up in Him. 
And wisdom has come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Acts 3, verse 19, we find his disciples teaching what he taught them. He taught them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. What was that gospel? Here it is, verse 19 of Acts 3. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshment may come from the presence of God. Similar language to David. Blot out my transgressions. And here the offer is, come, repent, and God will blot out your sins. That word blot out is a beautiful word. It pictures the removal of a debt that had been written down on a piece of paper. Remember, they didn't have paper as we have it, and they didn't have ink as we know it. Their, their paper was vellum or parchment. It was the skins of animals that had been uh, uh, scraped down to a smooth texture. Their ink didn't have acid in it, so while it dried, it dried on the surface of the animal skin. And because paper was so precious or vellum or parchment was so precious, it would be used again and again. They didn't roll these things up and throw them into the waste paper basket. No, they reused them. And what would happen was they would take a wet rag, they would dump it, and they would rub off the ink off the parchment. It would come off because it had no acid in it. It didn't bite into the animal skin. It was easily removed. And Jesus, through his disciples, is saying to us that you and I have a debt to God through our sin. But through his death on our behalf, he who knew no sin being made sin for us, dying in our place upon Calvary's cross, God can take the sponge of his forgiveness and wipe away the debt of our sin because of the death of his son. And he can have mercy on us. We deserve his justice, but we can have his mercy because justice was served in the death of Jesus Christ for us. God wants you to live all your life today. And he wants you to live it under his smile. He wants to prosper you in body and soul. He wants you to know the riches of his grace. He wants you to know the treasure of his mercy. He wants you to know the pearl of great price, his own son, Jesus Christ. And you can only know it if you'll uncover your sins so that God might cover it. That's the path to prosperity. It takes a great deal of humility to confess our sins to God and to one another. But God's Word assures us that living a life with this kind of honesty is well worth the effort. This is Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy in a message called Let's Be Honest, where we've been looking at the book of Proverbs for practical wisdom about pursuing godliness. You can order a CD or USB copy of today's message or the complete study in Proverbs called That Makes Good Sense when you go online to ktt.org. While you're there, you'll also find many other faith-building resources like Philip's Truth Matters devotional, which points believers to clear biblical truth for everyday living. Now, there are a couple of other resources we'd especially like you to have. The first is a resource that pairs wonderfully with our current study on wisdom. It's titled, What God Wants Every Dad to Know. Based on the Proverbs, this book will equip fathers to lead their children to live each day faithfully, guided by the wisdom God provides on topics such as finances, anger, sexuality, work, relationships, and more. The second resource is one we'll send to a friend or family member of your choice. Written by Pastor Philip, it's titled, Take Cover, Finding Peace in God's Protection. This book encourages readers to find peace in God's protection, regardless of circumstances. Both of these resources are yours with a gift of any amount in support of Know the Truth. 
To give, call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. And if you're new to Know the Truth or have never reached out to us before, we want to welcome you with a copy of Philip's brand new daily devotional book. It's called Resting in God's Faithfulness, and it's yours just for contacting Know the Truth. Again, call 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Glad you took time out for today's broadcast. Tomorrow, Philip DeCourcy addresses another prominent topic from the book of Proverbs in a message called Looking to Mary. Join us right here Thursday for Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Amen.